Hey everybody, welcome to The Cinema Nerd Presents, the filmography of Amy Heckerling. My name is Kyle Woods. I'm joined as always by James. This week we're going to talk about the Talking Baby movie, Look Who's Talking. James, what is Look Who's Talking? Uh, yeah, so Look Who's Talking. It's um, yeah, Amy Heckerling, again, with writing and directing, both both uh, credits on this one. And um, it's got John Travolta, Kirstie Alley, and Bruce Willis voicing little baby Mikey. And uh, Olympia Dukakis is showing up also. George Siegel as well. George Siegel and Olympia Dukakis, yeah. Um, um, so yeah, some great character actors. Is this the first one that Amy Heckerling has scripted that we've watched? Did she script for the... Um, I think it is, but we'll get into all of that uh, in due time. James, what have you watched recently? Seen anything good? Uh, oh, I've been watching documentaries. So I'm catching up on ones that people people recommended. So I watched The Dawn Wall. Oh, how? yeah, yeah. I saw, I saw that one. That's not yeah. Free Solo. The Dawn Wall is the one where they like, it's mostly about kidnapping, right? Yeah, yeah, he gets yeah, that one's wild. Like in Kazakhstan or like, yeah, I can't remember. Yeah, somewhere. I, I, I mean, it's not Pakistan, but that's what I would picture because it's. I'm, it I'm guessing they were climbing like K two, but it's not K two. Um, I yeah. So they get kidnapped by some militants in like, yeah, Kazakhstan or Azerbaijan or something. Um, climbing mountains and it's pretty intense like I, not what i thought that film was going to be oh it really takes a turn yeah no yeah, it, it starts off you think you're watching this really serene sort of i mean intense as it is because they're rock climbers but you think you're watching almost a nature documentary and then real quick it's like no this is a harrowing yeah. tale of survival and the trauma yeah, we so 16 year olds 16 year olds on a rock climbing trip get kidnapped, held at gunpoint for four days, probably going to die, and they end up killing a man. And then, yeah, it's a it's an amazing documentary because the twists and turns in it, I mean, that's the start of the film, and then it kind of twists and turns after that. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, amazing. Um, and yeah, then I watched The Imposter. The Imposter? Yeah. It's like... About uh, like uh, I don't know eight eight or nine years ago I think about that long um a a documentary about uh, sorry a documentary about uh, a family that lose their child he's like thirteen and he goes missing and then a person claiming to be their child is in Spain and he's he's like hey I'm your kid and Where's, so they go where's the family starting from? Oh yeah, sorry. So they're an Amer like Texas, like a Texas family. Kid goes missing from Texas, and then a person in Spain is like, "Hey, I'm your kid." Right. And then the kid was blonde and blue eyes, and the guy who's claiming is like quite dark hair, brown eyes. What a trip! And then doesn't that guy end up coming to Texas at a certain point? Yeah. Yeah, that's the one. And, and then, then it all gets weird there, because huh? at one point you kind of realize that the family knows he's not the kid, but they keep going with it. And then you start asking about why are they going along with a random stranger being in their house? Right. 
and then it's yeah it's a weird docker yeah that's awesome i feel like you know certainly of the true crime genre sub genre of documentary but generally the best documentaries are the ones where you you go in and then it takes a turn and then it takes another turn and then it takes at least one more turn yeah 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 well, that was Dawnwall for me Dawnwall like halfway through the film he loses a finger and they're pretty much like you'll never be able to climb again and if you do climb again you'll be half as good as you were and that's halfway through the film and all of the amazing stuff happens after that <laughs> so you're like what is yeah incredible yeah yeah what a what a story man i just had flashbacks of the the scenes in that movie of him climbing with at, without the finger i just can't imagine the kind of strength that takes dude i whatever good for him <laughs> i mean that's why that dude lived through that kind of insane situation because he had the temerity you know the absolute fortitude of self to just be like nope i'm gonna keep going this is what it takes that's really impressive stuff how about you what have you been watching oh much lighter fare mostly <laughs> yeah i've really been trying to to take it easy you know the the news of the world is has gotten me in a, a weird place so i've been really watching just like very nostalgia driven stuff largely and then you know some other um another podcast that i really enjoy f this movie does a celebration called june exploitation so they pu publish a calendar that's themed every day is you know zombies or uh prison movies or rock and roll or whatever so you can check in with different themes so i've been watching stuff kind of along those themes and one of the ones they did recently was pune day albert, albert pune do you know this guy no he's a director who made some movies in the uh like 80s and 90s and they're real like kind of sci-fi action movies so i watched this one called crazy six uh, which is cool because like Ice-T is in it and Mario Van Peebles and uh, man, it, it's got a wild ass cast. There's somebody, uh, there's a giant name that I'm leaving out right now. I got to look it up. Um, What's the film called? Crazy Six. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right. It's Rob Lowe is the Rob. Of this thing. But Rob Lowe plays like a strung out junkie and he's not pulling it off. It's not yeah. working at all. But the rest of the movie is so lyrical and weird that you're almost like, oh, he's purposefully not pulling it off. So I think you might get into Pune and this movie the way that you get into Southland Tales. Because yeah. it's okay. super weird. Like most of the movie takes place in a nightclub and it's largely this woman singing the plot of the movie lit in like neon pink, you know? Yeah. <laughs> It's pretty cool. <laughs> and then Mario Van Peebles shows up walking a tiny dog wearing a giant coat and just like shoots everybody. It's one of those movies. Oh, all right. So cool. give that a go. I think you might, oh. might dig it. It's a wild did, one. Did you ever watch Vivarium? You know what? I didn't, I haven't caught up with it yet. All good, Sorry, all good. But... And I also watched, I, I love you, Philip Morris. If you ever oh, seen I like that. that one. Yeah. With, is that, Jim Carrey and Ryan Felipe, is that right? No, uh, Ewan McGregor. Jim, Jim Carrey and Ewan McGregor, yeah. That's right. Yeah, I like that one. I, I couldn't tell you 
much about it, obviously, but I remember really enjoying it. Yeah. Yeah, it's a well-made film. Well, um, speaking of well-made I, films, I also watched, uh, in the past two days, the wife and I went on a British history binge. And so we watched The Darkest Hour and Dunkirk, kind of back-to-back. Last night we watched Darkest Hour, and today we watched Dunkirk, just kind of hanging out. Cool. And yeah, they're both really well-made films. And, you know, Gary Oldman's obviously so good. And, <laughs> but that movie, I, I, you know, I like those movies just for the studio-ness of them and kind of the amount of effort that is put into the practical nature of it. I really respond to those. Mm. I, I mean, basically, I worked uh, on a film with Gary Oldman once, a project, sorry, and... um. I have nothing but respect for that guy. Like before I had respect for him, but after seeing like the way he works, I'm like, no, that guy's a fucking, is a genius. Like he just nails it. Like, you know, a lot of actors will come in, they'll take a bit to warm up. They'll get like, you know, get the character kind of movie. So the first few takes are a bit of a burn, but you get the idea. Um, He showed up, brought his A game on the first take. Like, like, he had like a monologue to speak on his first bit and just fucking blew it out of the way. Everyone was kind of like speechless at the end of the first take on the first day that he was there. And we're like, we don't really need another take of that one, but we're going to do it. But you know, like, and then every time he's just looking around quietly going like for safety, I guess. But every time like, he'd just nail it. He'd put 110% in, he'd get the like, you know, the accents or whatever he was trying to do, perfect. And I was just like, fuck, what a professional. I was super impressed with that guy. That's That's so great to hear, man, because he's always been one of my favorites for the fact that, well, there's two things going is, one, I'll get 20 minutes into a movie before I'm like, oh, that's Gary Oldman, (laughs) you know, (laughs) love that. And then the other experience, though, is like frame one, Gary Oldman shows up and is doing some wild ass thing like in a a fucking uh, fifth element or what's the other one but leon you know any of those movies with right so just the fact that he goes for it you know and can also land the gravity he's you know he's got his reputation but it's so good to hear that he's like a real pro is it dracula or interview with a vampire i can picture dracula dracula yeah so he's just got these huge characters that he plays. And totally. he kinda, but you never put them all together as one actor. Like you're like, oh, that was a good character. And then you like look back and you're like, they're all Gary Oldman, but they're all so different, man. Like, yeah, yeah. He's, he's such a character actor, but he has the authority of a leading man. And he can lead, you know what I mean? He'll pull the whole picture for sure. Yeah, he is such an interesting presence. I'm, I'm glad that we get to watch him act these days. It's cool. Yeah. yeah that's so, yeah, really and then also Dunkirk. That movie's good, too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's all good. But maybe we'll talk about that another time. Should we talk about Look Who's Talking? Yeah, for sure. Talk so, about it. I came into this reticent. Like, I was very, like, hesitant because my mental picture of this film was was very simple and uh i was quite pleasantly surprised that the film is a lot more crazy than i thought it was and like the premise is so much it's very 80s which i actually 
have come to understand that I really love that kind of that kind of uh, broken morality of the eighties, where everything's kind of a little bit more real or um, you know gray. Like they like she's she's sleeping with she's sleeping with her a client. She is married the mistress. Their relationship the is so bizarre. We'll get into and it. He's but saying I, I, that he wants to break up with his wife, but every time he goes to break up with her, her bulimia kicks back in, and then she's skinnier. And then, so <laughs> stop that bit though is like, but that's so the first time it comes up, Christy Alley apologizes, right? And then George Siegel seems to be like, oh, why is she apologizing? She's hotter now. Yeah. So. Yeah. So he's he's like it's a good thing that she's got bulimia like that's the fucking crazy fucking 80s night like you know it's just and the craziest thing about it is that yeah the the 80s is part of it is that it, we don't take a moment to be like hey that's fucking nutso man yeah. christy also just moves past it yeah they introduce him as a piece of shit but it's not something to focus on there's like you know like it's it's quite acceptably like i don't know man because they're all a bit heartless like she's she knows all of this stuff and continues to be with him yeah it's not she's innocent about all of this i i just find that really refreshing to have like a person who's making bad decisions and it's not like she's the hero all the time like like Okay. That's good. It was, it was weird. I like that read a little better. I don't think that's necessarily what this movie is all the way doing. I got, I, you know, I think that's what Amy Heckerling wants to say. I don't think that's the movie that we got or necessarily the way that I felt. So I, I come away a little more, not in the middle. I'm really like polar with it. So from moment, like literally moment to moment, I'm going, this movie works so well. And then two lines later, I'm like, this is a disaster that should never have been made. And I don't know why anybody thought this was a good idea beyond cocaine. And yeah, I came in, I came in very low of expectations and uh, it punched a lot higher than I thought it was. But yeah, no, definitely the movie falls apart many times. And like, there's a, there's a, there's a weirdness to the film, but I, okay, I have to say, like, I like the fact that in my mind, when I was making the, what the story was going to be, cause I, I couldn't remember the story. Basically the story to me was she's having a baby. He shows up as the cab driver. I kind of remembered the cab driver bit yeah, and then, and then they odd couple right at the start and then just, uh, you know, like, oh, I'm a, I'm wacky and she's serious. And, you know, like that 90s, like instant oh. resolve, everything's sorted in the first 10 minutes and then the movie is about what happens after. And then um, you got to get them, you got to break them up at, you yeah. know, in the last 15 minutes and get them back together in the last 10 again. And Yeah, but they didn't do that. Like this movie, the first half of the movie, they actually, they dislike each other mostly and they're dating other people and like not dislike but they definitely like butt heads and I kind of enjoyed that like I thought 
I really that, enjoy that too. I think that's one of the places and the ways that this movie really succeeds. So I'll, I'll, I'll go a little high level with my thoughts instead of just kind of rebutting you, which is to say, I really, I enjoyed this movie a lot also. I really had a lot of fun watching it. I think there's a ton to like here and it succeeds more than it fails. And the yep. way that it fails, I view as products of not only the time that it was made, but the time that we live in now. And I don't mm. just mean in the way that we have to apply our modern morals to 80s movies and can't any story just be a story from the past. That's not even my point. It's more about the personas that the movie stars have taken on today. Travolta and Bruce Willis and Christy Alley all have their place within our kind of pop psychology. And it's really interesting the way that they, those personas specifically feed into these characters in the movie. And it made for a really strange experience for me. And like I said, I do think because of the time it was made, it does, and because of who it was made by, Amy Heckerling, it does a lot of really humanistic things that get punched down by a studio, you know, a major studio. So that's the thing that I saw. Overall, I really, really enjoyed it. Um, mm. and <laughs> I, I was very pleasantly surprised with this one. I, I honestly, uh, I, yeah, I was hesitant on this and I put it on and it, it was uh, a different story than what I thought. And like, quite often I'll put a movie on with a picture of what I think the film's going to be in my head. Sure. And this movie was very different to that, which was, you know, just like a really refreshing. So the fact that he's crazy, like he's driving like an absolute maniac and she hates him for it. Right. Getting him, getting her to the hospital. And then, um, uh, like, you know, it doesn't resolve. She still kind of thinks he's like, like a bad person <laughs> for quite a while. Um, and I, I, and I like that she doesn't even know most of the things about him. Like if he's going to be like, wants to be a pilot, like you know, he's just a cab driver because she's got her own problems. She's not dealing with his problems too. So, I really enjoy that stuff too. I think the, the really specifically human elements are a, a real win, you know, and that kind of, uneasy they obviously are attracted to each other but don't find yeah. each other compatible and the yeah. way that they get into this relationship with the babysitting arrangement and the address thing i i like that i think it's a I little plotty so no, you know, i i found it a little bit more natural than than the 90s the approach to that where they kind of shoehorn everything together. At least this one, he had like, oh, I'm, I need something for my grandfather. She left her wallet. I'm just gonna like be a bit cheeky. And he's he is a cheeky human. So it, I mean, yeah. a cheeky person. So it it kind of it plays into it all right. Like for me, anyway. Yeah, it definitely. Yeah, I know it works. And the more I talk about it and think it through the more I, I think it does work my initially after watching it I felt like the movie could use and maybe it, I still feel this way but that it could use a, like kind of a, a mystical pastiche to make this work a little bit more specifically with Travolta and Kirstie Alley because we're in a movie about a talking baby so yep. it can be magical and wild and the nuts and bolts of like 
he has to live there because his grandpa needs the address. It, it speaks to the humanity of it. And I, I do think it works. Sorry, I'm just changing my mind like mid-thought. Yeah, I, 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 I felt that it worked. I felt like uh, he, was, he was set up from the get-go as a lad who was a bit cheeky. And then he basically uh, kind of got, got involved but he wasn't all that in, in, like interested in being involved, but he kind of got involved with the pregnant, with the birth. And then uh, the, the wallet got left and he was like, well, I need something. So I'm going to use the wallet. Like all those steps kind of naturally jumped for me. So I was, I was kind of on board where like quite often I'm not on board with those kind of like, uh, I don't know, machines of God kind of everything pulling together it kind of actually felt like two human beings that kind of just slowly got together rather than, you know, uh, the will of God making it happen. I've, I, so I feel those human beings getting together. I think it comes mostly from the chemistry between Kirstie Alley and John Travolta. I think they're really good together. What do you think? They, they nailed it. And I think Travolta was really likable. Like he's a crazy character like kind of scary but um yeah like they 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 were both really likable and they had good chemistry on screen it was um well that's just it you said it he's scary and even in the moments when he's having chemistry with everybody which he does he's so charming in this movie you get why he's a movie star but then you also get why he's perceived as fucking crazy because like the the thing that he's doing with the puppet, or not the puppets, but the stuffed animals and like dancing for the baby. Yeah. It's really adorable. And then at the very end of the scene, he like leans in super close and does one extra move. And it just comes off as so <laughs> batshit. And like, stay away from that baby. I'm concerned for the safety of the small child. And this man who we know now to be a maniac, it's not yeah. okay. Yeah, so. It's hard to watch it without that. So it is unfortunate that like these days, Kirstie Alley, she's, she's got like some ultra conservative like stuff going on or something. And then- Oh, is that the deal? I think it was something like that. I remember me being disappointed because I think I really liked her back in the, you know, like as an sure. actress. And then uh, Travolta is kind of crazy alien worshiper. So it's- <laughs> um yeah it's and then like the baby being bruce willis you know that was quite fun but like yeah it's it's weird hearing that voice <laughs> but it's weird i think he's really really good and i want to yeah. get to him but i want to jump back to christy alley real quick since we're doing cast stuff right now which is to say her persona also feeds into the same thing that i'm talking about with travolta the way that she became a tabloid target for her weight and her personality in the late 90s and the early 2000s. Oh, I didn't know about that, but I... I, I Yeah, she was a favorite, man. It was really brutal the way that she was treated in the press for several years, you know, a long time. Uh And you can... There's moments, several... Like you you pointed to earlier, the, the bulimia joke comes back when we talk about Christy Alley gaining weight, especially early on in the pregnancy, there's a lot of people like, you know, pointing to it. And then again, at the end, 
um, fucking George Siegel says that, you know, what's her name? Only gained, didn't gain any weight or only gained whatever. Yeah, only gained 21 and she did um, jogging right up <laughs> three days before the, uh, the, the birth. And then um, she did Pilates and, and it's like, he's like, your, your only worth comes from your weight kind of thing. Yeah. It was like, he, he set himself up as, a despicable character though like i think even in the 80s you <laughs> i think even in the 80s you saw that character as a despicable character i i hope so and so this is a problem that i have like just with rom-coms in general is when there's a character who's in a relationship with another character that's totally a monster and you're obviously like Right, that's set up so that we can have this arc. She goes from, or he goes from low self-worth to high status, or from, you know, you know, I said it. And it, mm -hmm. generally that makes me so concerned either for the well-being of the character because the person is like so monstrous and bad that I yep. end up with like genuine questions about their sense of worth yeah. or it's you know too punchy and too dumb that we're having a like a laugh riot with it and i don't maybe this is a laugh riot and it i just didn't land for me maybe because of what christy alley would come to occupy in our our pop culture okay but so yeah. it does point to something real structural with a lot of rom-coms and it's just like why would any human being be with this human being christy alley has shit going on for her I guess yeah. it's the eighties and whatever, but you know, that, it, that part of it just doesn't work for me at all from a character motivation standpoint. So it was, it was heartbreaking. Like, yeah. So, but basically I don't know, I didn't know about the weight thing with Kirstie Alley. Uh, so I guess, I guess there wasn't an extra layer on it for me. So I'm just sitting there like horrified at the eighties sensibilities, but kind of like what a weird time to make a film. Like, I find it really interesting to watch these films because it was such a like, like a balls to the wall cocaine induced time to make a movie. <laughs> like people just said things, and like those things were wrong. <laughs> they just, they like straight up, just say them, and you're like, "Whoa, what is this?" But I do love, I'm so grateful that we got so many insane high concept, like, yeah, talking baby. Oh yeah, Charlie Sheen's a car. Oh, totally. Uh, Paul Walker is a Tyrannosaurus Rex. <laughs> I, I love all of that stuff, man. I'm just a sucker for it. So I was, you know, like I said, having a blast with this thing the whole time. And a big part of it is, so even I, Bruce Willis must have done voiceover. Like he didn't, actually show up on set to interact and like read lines with the point i'm trying to make is that the baby and travolta have a ton of chemistry and bruce willis is so damn good he's i thought he was great in this movie man absolutely i i found it um like funny to hear the voice because you know the voice so well mm -hmm. but i i think the little kid did an amazing job they got the right they got the right like moments frames from the kid like it just yeah. nailed it like the little and then uh yeah travolta did so well with that like and 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 a believable fun uncle kind of situation you know like yeah yeah he's willing to take some risks he's relaxed but he's good at heart and he's not gonna let anything bad happen to this kid for sure and bruce Absolutely. willis is like 
he keyed up enough. The voice is recognizable enough that you know it's Willis. And at this time, he has a reputation. This is like right around Moonlight, right? Um, okay. And Die Hard, post Die Hard. So, is it post Die Hard? Yeah, because this is what, 90, 89? Mm, so right. his persona is already like, ain't I a stinker? I'm kind of a rebel here in Hollywood. Yeah. And this baby, he's a little stinker, you know? He's, he's running around, causing trouble. He's, he's baby's day out at the end of this thing. Yeah, yeah, I know, that's true. Um, yeah, so I looked it up, the, the film is 89 and Die Hard's 88, so yeah. So he's like, I mean, Die Hard was a big deal, I'm sure. I, I'm, I'm, it, I mean, it's now a big deal. I'm sure it got good reception at the time. I think it was pretty popular. That's my understanding. Yeah. Uh, uh, one last note on cast is just Olympia Dukakis. I think she's so freaking good, man, in everything that she's in. And she's really great here. And she brings that she does the thing that Heckerling does so well in comedies, which is like big, big heart. She's bringing a lot of actual emotion into the moment. And so when she undercuts it by being like really snipey and comes yeah. maybe even not cold she's never cold but like brisk you know like she she can be sharp it it just works so well yeah yeah the 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 snide disapproving like yeah tell me tell me that guy's not the ice pop right right and but she's, she she practices it with all i want to know is she it's not him right i don't want to know anything <laughs> else about this relationship I'm still a supporting mother, but fuck yeah. that, right? Yeah, I, I love her, man. And yeah. she, so those moments with Dukakis and Christy Alley make this thing run, you know? They're so heartfelt. Like when she comes through the door the first time and Christy Alley kind of yells at her for coming in uninvited, but is so happy to see her. I think yeah. that's the best, like the single best scene Christy Alley has ever been in. And it's because yeah. these guys really, they really have something, man. Some chemistry. Really, oh, good. I yeah. think the cast is superb in this movie. The cast and the casting. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, I've said it many times, but I was surprised. And the film has a lot more layers than I thought it was going to. And I honestly, I, I think I was painting it with that 90s uh, rom-com brush where you just kind of, everything kind of, magically fits together just so you can have magic like little snippet moments so the trailer looks good and then just move on and print your money um but the film felt like they put a bit of effort into like why things happened or who they were and the casting's done right and you know like it just absolutely somebody loved this film the plot relies on really understandable human decisions, you know, and actually pretty sort of working class decisions. Like I got to get into this neighborhood so I can get my grandpa into a better place so that he can live comfortably. But I can't yeah. do that for my address, you know, and you're a single mother. Okay. I can babysit. Let's work together here. Yeah. That, I, I, more of that please in movies for yeah. sure. Honestly, I want to call out for her as a filmmaker is her heckerling's ability like to really visually tell comedy we've brought it up a couple of different times but like her she's a master of a smash cut man yeah. and there's a real good one early on in this movie where it's when she christy alley takes the pregnancy test 
and she reads it, right? And it's no, 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 smash cut to the doctor saying yes. Yeah. And then he, we must be handheld, but we like reveal around from the doctor. We, yeah, come around and pull out a little bit to find her on the bed with the lump. So we've already like jumped a bunch of time there and we're getting the answer to a different question. So this movie covers a lot of time also, and it never really feels like, like it's gotta be almost two years, right? Right, yeah, I no, I was gonna say, it, it naturally does all of that and it's not all, um, it's not all like just like, cuts of the kid growing up or you know there's no time lapse of something it's it's honestly like there's some just... montages though we got we got some montages to make no, them i like the montages to be honest i liked the the pregnancy being done through the the scales and she's like at the start she's like oh it's all going well and then the scale goes bigger and bigger and she's like oh, no. like yeah. um i mean it, after you've explained the situation i mean i guess that's <laughs> a little bit less good but i found it kind of interesting to be like human interact like human relationship with this stuff like yeah pregnancy quite often is just done like magical and it's like everything's great and then in this one she was like oh god i just you know i'm i'm like everything <laughs> everything sucks you know yeah I, do. Like, I think her that humanist thing her sensibilities really show through here and it answers a question that we didn't necessarily have, but the, it's the reason that she is the director for Fast Times, right? Because mm -hmm. she brings that human touch and that Cameron Crowe is famous for, that really interpersonal sort of magic. And Heckerling yep. has that also, man. And so I, that's, I'm, I'm really glad we talked it through because I came into this wanting a little more sort of like Nora Ephron, kind of like, oh, they're cosmically bound that's why they're together and that's why the baby talks but i actually really like the fact that it's because time passes and they mean something to each other that's right I, I loved that the most like that that they were not cosmically bound they were people in in a situation that kind of kept them together and they they kind of worked out over time that the chemistry meant something like you know like it you can still have good chemistry with somebody and just be friends totally but, but over time they kind of worked out oh no this is actually working like this is i'm you know and then he's he's more than he puts on and she's like you know more than you know like they both are more than they they show each other because at the start they're both just like <laughs> quite short with each other and and kind of dismissive <laughs> i suppose that speaks to Christie alley's arc in the real standard sense of the rom-com right because i don't think travolta is more than he puts on i think he's exactly who he says he is oh uh, i think i think at the start you get the you you're kind of introduced to him being a cab driver who's just a cab driver who's crazy drives crazy and he's just he's just like a bit of a you know um doing the address thing for his father he's just like a bit of a lad but then you kind of work out that he's he's a pilot he's got bigger plans in life you know like sure but he never i, I guess i mean that in sort of like he's never like downplaying his station he's not presenting himself to christy alley as like uh ho-hum i i got no sense in my brains and he's never like overplaying his station is like check me out baby i'm the pilot 
No, but that's exactly it. I think like he's not interested, so he's not playing his hand, and yeah. she's not interested, so she's not questioning who he is. Yeah, so, yeah, so yeah. Most, so for for most of the movie, she thinks he's a cab driver, and then after a while, she's like, "Oh wait, he's actually got other things going on. Like he's not he's not just a bum, and he's not just a womanizer. Like he is just like you know." And and then he's kind of over that time, he's shown that he like. I don't know, like, I, and she's she's super capable. He knows she's super capable right from the start. But like, uh, as it goes on, like, you know, he starts to like be a little bit more kind of trying to trip up the other boyfriends and stuff. <laughs> you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. And then and then the baby pulls off his wig. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the one. Yeah, but he's like, pull off the wig. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's <laughs> oh, so good. So good. Love it. I, yeah, I'm I I'm a total fan now. I want to say maybe one more thing about it, but I'm actually <laughs> just gleefully into it. Okay. Oh, I want to say is uh, it a bit, a bit maybe Amy Heckerling is one of our finest needle drop directors, and I didn't really think of her that way going into this experience. But there's two in this movie that are simultaneously right on the nose and deep cuts so she does cry baby for the i think it's the first montage right and then daddy's home for the first time not not when they actually get together but when they almost hook up yeah he plays daddy's home and they both you know have that kind of malt shop 50s doo-wop vibe going for them (laughs) but they're both like (laughs) perfect innuendos and the uh, and also what's the song at the end is really freaking great oh i don't know that one it's um oh it's uh, steve winwood right did my love open the door oh nice anyways so i think she's got fantastic taste in music and it adds to her movies i think yeah. she is an incredible visual comic storyteller as evidenced by her reference of harold lloyd right makes she makes the guy or she makes uh, ali jump to the clock tower and she really knows what she's doing with her camera i like her kind of looseness with it too she's very expressive she motivates her characters through human decisions i really am a fan of what she does and yeah I'm really glad we watched this one. What about you? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm <laughs> like I've said it every time, but basically I was worried about this one and it's proven one of my, like, I'm, I'm super happy I watched this one. I, I think it was like one of those like funny little 80s films that it, it, it didn't just slot in as one of those typical movies. So um, it, yeah. it was really fun to watch. Yeah, and, there's something about it that's, it, there's moments of real greatness in here. There's moments of real weird badness in here also, but there's, yeah. there's something special. Um, yeah, so I mean, so she's director-writer on this, and I, I'm assuming she had some kind of writing on uh, Fast Times, but I don't know. No, Ken uh, Crow wrote Fast Times. Oh, yeah, of course. Okay, so she learned a bit of writing then from Karen, you know, like... 
Uh, I, I assume that as Cameron, because right, this is Cameron Crowe's script, and I'll bet it's like a super hot script flashing back to Fast Times, as we are one to be connoisseurs of context here. But yeah. if, if uh, he's like getting a lot of attention for it, and it's the hot script, they're going to make the movie, but they're not going to let this kid direct it. So yeah. they're going to bring somebody in who, but that's also her first movie. So had she been, must have been doing commercials and stuff before then, I assume. And I had no idea. behind her. I mean, she, she, as far as directing credits go, her thesis film is the only one before Fast Times. But the point that I'm trying to make is that I, I really sense some similarity in their sense of sentimentality, Heckerling yep. and Crow. And yeah. so for whatever reason, Cameron Crowe didn't direct Fast Times. And as he's having conversations with directors, I can see why he responded to Amy Heckerling based cool. on what we're seeing here and what we'd seen before in Fast Times. Her, her heart and soul, man, it just speaks to me. Really dig it. Yeah, it was good. Good, good. Uh, no, brilliant. Yeah, cheers. That was, um, uh, it was a good, good ride to, to kind of have an excuse to watch that one. Yeah. So next time, look who's talking now. Look <laughs> who's talking too, not now. Oh, no. Look who's also talking as well. Yeah, look who's talking also sometimes. <laughs> look who's um, talking another baby and now it's talking too. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's it.